I think he needs a microphone. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we want to look in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. With the Lord's help, I'll finish the message. If not, then uh, well, I don't know how long my voice is going to last. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse thirteen. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful to be together tonight, be able to sing these songs of praise unto our God and be able to study the word together we're thankful for this week as we uh, approach Thanksgiving, a time of uh, rest, a time of reflection, a time of uh, expressing gratitude, uh, really for the many, many ways that you have blessed us as an individual, as a family, Lord, as a church, certainly as a nation. And God, we come uh, tonight wanting to hear from you and preparing our hearts to help us understand this, this thought uh, that, we, as Paul said, we're bound to give thanks. And so, Lord, speak to us in a special way tonight. We're always mindful that someone could be with us that's not saved. And so we'd ask you, Lord, send our Holy Spirit in this place. Bring conviction on that person who may not be saved. And I pray, Lord, they would come and receive Christ as their personal Savior. And so, Lord, bless the preaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text verse is verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation and through sanctification of the spirit and belief in the truth. We're bound to give thanks. It's amazing that how Paul expresses that in our text verse in verse 13. Uh, he is expressing the need for us to be mindful that the reaction or the response of a believer in Christ is to express thanksgiving and praise unto our God because of who Jesus Christ is. Uh, we live in an age of ingratitude. Uh, it's just always interesting. People think they're justified in having everything and anything that they want, and if they don't get that, uh, they certainly are not happy about it. Or if you do do something for someone, rather than being thankful or grateful for it, uh, they have a spirit of, uh, of or attitude that, well, wait a minute, it was, it was justly mine anyway. And they don't want to acknowledge that. However, Paul says for the believer that we're always to be bound to giving gratitude or thanksgiving or praise uh, to, to our God for what he has done in our life. In verse 14, he says, Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I was, I was sitting on the platform, I was always like to read through my passage before I get up and preach just on the platform. 
And the Lord really impressed on my heart this matter of being bound to give thanks in reference to the fact that we've been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. The amazing thing is there's multitudes of people around the world who have never heard the gospel. And I was in church for 27 years, and he never told me clearly what the gospel was. And so he says, we're bound to give thanks because God has called you by our gospel. And then in verse 15, he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. And I like what he says, stand fast. Our choir wasn't planning on singing that song tonight, stand, we stand. And no, uh, but I'm glad we did. And it goes along with this verse. And it says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught. The amazing thing is this, we're living in an era and time where anything that is traditional is being abandoned. Anything that is so, uh, trustworthy is being ignored. Anything that came from our forefathers is being considered as something that is not trustworthy in the era and the age in which we live. But Paul says this, that we are bound to give thanks, and the way we express that thanksgiving is that we stand fast holding on to the traditions that we've been taught. You know, not everything from the old time, uh, old days is bad. You know, the old time religion isn't bad. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I watched an old sermon by Dr. Criswell before he went to home to be with the Lord. And he preached a message entitled, Give Me That Old Time Religion. And I'll tell you one thing, he stirred my heart. And it was amazing to see the message that he presented and us holding on to the traditions of what we've been taught. And we won't hold on to those traditions if we're not thankful. We're not, don't have a spirit of gratitude for what God has given us. And so Paul says we're to hold on to them, stand fast. Then in verse 16 it says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God even our Father, which hath loved us, and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comforts your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. The amazing thing is we're bound to give thanks because of the fact that God through his grace, has saved us and delivered us and blessed us and comforted us, we always have something to be thankful for. And uh, so Paul tells us we're bound to give thanks. You know, George Washington said this, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear somebody in leadership in America say that again? says, to obey his will and to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his petitions and favor. Uh, whereas the House of Con Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and single favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably in establish, to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. And so he was acknowledging the fact that it was necessary to remind the people of the United States that we ought to stop 
and give thanks unto God for giving us a place where we can live in safety and in peace. And so we are to acknowledge that and embrace the, the things of the Almighty God. It's disturbing. I just heard uh, uh, some things about uh, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is good food. I like it. Uh, but I don't like their political position they're taking now. And they're turning their back on uh, Christian principles uh, because of the pressure of the LGBTQ and whatever letter you want to put after it, uh, uh, people. And uh, listen, we do live in America. And we do have freedom of religion. And we do have freedom of speech. And I don't have to agree with you. And if I don't agree with you, that doesn't mean you have the right to try to shut down my business. And bless God, I think they'd be better off by taking a stand and God's people standing up with them and refusing to embrace this immoral conduct. Well, that has nothing to do with my message, but I thought about it. So George Washington said we ought to have a time set aside to express gratitude. And I think the more thankful we are for who we are as a Christian people, the less apt we are to give up and surrender the traditions that we've been taught. And so we need to be thankful for who we are as a Christian. I'm thankful that I'm a saved, born-again child of God. And so George Washington said that. Abraham Lincoln said this. It seemed to me uh, fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged. Boy, it'd be wonderful to hear somebody in the White House, I mean, in, the, in Washington, D.C., uh, say something like that. It says, as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. You get that? The whole American people. Not a segment of it. Not a remnant of it. Not portions of it. But the whole American people. He says, uh, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also th uh, those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. I can guarantee you uh, that publicly speaking, uh, that is not why Thanksgiving is being recognized as a holiday in America today. It is a time of recognizing that we are setting a day aside for this expressed purpose of giving thanks to God. And so we're bound to give thanks because who we are and what we experience is because of the grace of God that has been extended to us. We're bound to give thanks. It's not something that we uh, feel that, uh, well, I, I just may do it if I feel like doing it. No, we're bound to acknowledge the goodness and the blessings of God. So we're bound to give thanks. Here's some things I thought about in our text verse. I see that we ought to be thankful, bound to give thanks for his salvation. In verse 13, he says, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, and here it is, because God, from the beginning, chosen you to salvation. And so the salvation of God, I'm thankful that we're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. 
I don't, do not believe in a Calvinistic theology where we say that God has already predetermined people to go to heaven and people to go to hell. But I do believe that God has predetermined that if any man's going to get saved, he's going to have to get saved by receiving Christ as a Savior. And if we're going to be born again, it's going to be by trusting in the Son of God who sacrificed himself on Calvary. And by the grace of God, through faith, we can be gloriously delivered from the bondage of all of our sins. I'm glad that God's not willing that any should perish. And so he sent his son into this world. I see this salvation is an eternal proposition. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's an eternal proposition. When God talks about salvation, he is not talking about something that is temporary. And I think sometimes that we have a tendency, the longer that we're saved, is to forget about the preciousness of entering into that eternal relationship with God, God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, before I got saved, all I thought about was salvation or heaven or anything was always in the realm of what the church was. And I went to church, I was a good Baptist boy, but I was lost and I was on my way to hell. And the amazing thing is this, when I got saved, I entered into this preposition from God that if you'll believe on my son, you'll receive him as your personal savior, I'll give you everlasting life. I don't understand these people who think that you can get saved, but it's not eternal life. I don't understand why people want to be delivered but they don't want to be delivered for out all of eternity. God's position is that he saves us and he delivers us because of the fact he sent his son into this world to give us eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so it's an eternal proposition. I see it's a personal decision also, this matter of being saved, the salvation that we have. Uh, I see it all the time. You try to people lead people to the Lord, and they won't ask the Lord to save them. They won't bow their head and pray. They won't believe to the saving of their soul. It's a personal decision. I can't make that decision for anybody, nor can you make that decision for anybody. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And so notice the personal involvement. Come unto me. Uh, they have to make the personal decision that they are going to come. In Romans 10, 13, it says, For uh, uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that is a personal decision. And people are lost and on their way to hell because of their own personal decision. Because God has done everything to provide a way to be saved. He sent his son to die on the cross. What a brutal death that he suffered at the hands of the mob who uh, mocked him and ridiculed him and refused to accept him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But yet he still died on the cross to provide for us a way to be saved. And so man must decide that he's going to surrender his life to Christ. You cannot come to God in any other way. And so I want to praise God that, wait a minute, this salvation that God has given me, I have something to be thankful for. I'm bound to give thanks. 
in uh, John chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. I'm thankful that when I cried out to God for salvation back in 1979, he didn't look down and say, You're too wicked, you're too filthy, uh, you're too bad. Uh, you're not somebody I'm interested in. I'm thankful that he helped me be saved by bringing the conviction of the Holy Spirit on my heart, uh, enabling me to call out unto God, and, and helping me to be able to be so convicted that I was willing to acknowledge that I was a sinner on my way to hell, and God delivered me at that very moment. I have, I'm bound to give thanks unto God sure. because it's a personal decision, this salvation uh, the salvation I have is my salvation. It's not yours. You have your own salvation. Your salvation is when you call on Christ and you, and you turn your life to him. And so he has chosen us to salvation. And so it's an eternal proposition. It's a personal decision. But it's also a permanent position. In John chapter 10 and verse 28, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I am bound to give thanks tonight that I'm saved, saved, saved. And there's never a time when I'm not going to be saved, saved, saved. Now, a lady who used to work for the bus company I worked for was a Nazarene. And that's all she used to say. You Baptists, you think that you're once saved, always saved. And I said, well, I don't know what kind of salvation you got, but I got eternal life. I didn't get temporary life. And God saved me. He saved me and put me in a permanent position that I am a child of God. Uh, as many as received him, to them gave me the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so I am bound to give thanks unto the Lord. Second Corinthians 5 and 1, Paul said, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle was dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I'm thankful that Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm glad I have the King James and I don't have to read, there's many rooms. I'm looking for a mansion, amen. And I just said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I'm telling you, when you get saved, born again by the grace of God, you're bound to give thanks to God because you're permanently positioned in the heavenlies when you trust Christ. I'm thankful this earthly tabernacle is wasting away. It's failing me, this rotten throat of mine. It's just giving out on me, but that's all right. We're going to preach it out anyway, amen. And I just am thankful this body may fail, and it may be frail, and it may be falling apart, but bless God, I got a tabernacle in heaven. I got a home in heaven. When I get there, I'm going to have a glorified body, and there'll be no more sore throats and no more colds and no more obstacles to try to preach. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be enjoying the fullness of the salvation of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ came into this world to set me free. I'm bound to give thanks unto God. So I don't know what I can be thankful for this year. I'm going to tell you what you can be thankful for. You can be thankful for your salvation. 
I don't know about you, when I got saved, I got a good dose, amen. And I never turn my back on the Lord. I'm thankful that he saves me and secures me and keeps me throughout all my life and throughout eternity. And so we can be bound to give thanks for his salvation. Number two, I see we're bound to give thanks for his sanctification. Notice in verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. And here it is, through sanctification. Through sanctification. You know, not too many people like to talk about sanctification anymore. But the reality is we are sanctified. When you got saved, you were sanctified. All this time that you've been saved, you are being sanctified. And one time when you get to heaven, you're going to be completely sanctified. There is a process that takes place known as progressive sanctification. And God saves us and he continues to mold us and enable us to become more like Jesus uh, more and more all the time. Psalm 79 in verse 13 says this. So we, thy people and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. Then he tells us why. We shall show forth thy praises to all generations. Uh, you know, it is not normal. It is not normal for somebody to get saved and be in a church for a while and then get away from God. That is not normal. Uh, that, that it, the, our children get saved at a young age. And as they grow up, it is not normal for children to walk away from God. We all, we, we've, we've developed this mindset that we must accept people walking away from Christ. If they are sanctified, they are holy, they are separated unto God by God's move and God's work in their life, which means that faith must pass from generation to generation. And that's what it says in verse 13. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. I think the people of God need to pass on our faith to the next generation. And I don't mean talking about a phony baloney type of religion. I'm talking about a religion that is real. I'm talking about salvation that is real. I'm talking about a relationship with God that is so consumes us that we absolutely have no time or no interest for the things of the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you can look over 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we see this faith that passes from generation to generation. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet inward man is renewed day by day. This faith that we have in Christ has got to pass from generation to generation to generation. And Paul understood the trials and the difficulties of being in an earthen vessel, but he also was aware of the fact that it is important to take what we believe 
and make sure it is passed on uh, to the younger crowd, the next generation. So sanctification has got to be passed from generation to generation. I was talking to several different preachers and uh, talking about the trends in the days in which we live, churches, trends. And uh, it was just interesting as they were talking about this next generation. It's like, well, they want to know God, but don't expect them to do anything. They want to know God, but don't expect them to be holy. They want to know God, but don't expect them to be sold out for the Lord. Everything's got to fit into their lifestyle. And I thought about that. Well, that's a very defeated type of a position. I thought, God, I thought of this. God is still on the throne. He is still in control. And the God who saved me and changed my life, the grace of God that was present to bring sanctification to my soul is still the God who can sanctify someone else's soul today. And that faith that I have in believing in God needs to pass from one generation to the next generation. Let them see you have a heart, you have a fire that comes from God Almighty and you're not gonna let it up because it's gotta pass on to the next generation. So faith passes from generation to generation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10, we see provision passes from generation to generation. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Provision, miraculous provision of God, must pass from generation to generation. I remember years ago, my brother was going to Bible college. My mom and dad was paying his bill. And I, I talked to them. They got mad at me. I can't imagine that. Somebody get mad at me, but that's all right. I told them, I said, you know, the worst thing you can do for him is pay his bill. And they looked at me and said, you need to understand. We need to take care of our son. I said, you didn't pay my bill. God took care of me. I don't want your money. I don't want you to pay my bill. I trusted God to provide for me. Amen. I said, but what you're doing is you're instilling in my brother who is planning on being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he can depend on people to support him. I said, if you want to send it anonymously or without him knowing it, that's wonderful. You could do that. But I just believe this. He needs to learn how to have faith to believe God, that God can provide for his provisions in his life. And I believe with all my heart that God can supply our every need. I believe that he can feed me. I believe he can pay my bills. I believe he can give me health. I believe he can bless me and give me power and give me grace. And he can do a multitude of things in my life. And I want to live, I want to live a life that demonstrates that the young people, that the next generation says that God can provide that for him, then God can provide it for me. His sanctification. Another mint and we'll get through. Amen. Faith passes from generation to generation. 
Our faith has got to pass from generation to generation. Provision passes from generation to generation. And the way God provides for us, the next generation needs to see that and they need to experience that in their life. Then I see praise passes to generation to generation. Revelation chapter 7, in verse 10 through 12. Revelation chapter 7, verse 10 through 12. And it says, And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Praises have got to pass from generation to generation. It's one thing for an old man to get excited about God. And I'd get excited about God. And I hear preaching, I get shouting amen. I have a great time. I start crying and I get all kinds of things, man. I'll tell you one thing. I enjoy listening to preaching. I love singing songs when the congregationals are being sung. I love singing the congregationals. Special music. All the times I sit up here fighting tears back. And special music's going on. Because it sounds so terrible. No, that's not true. <laughs> I sit up here and have to fight tears back because of the message that is coming to my heart. Because of who Christ is. And I enter into a spirit of praise and worship of God. But wait a minute. It's one thing for an old man to feel that praise and that worship and that drive and that move of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But what about our children? Why is it young people sit in church and they're not stirred, they're not moved by God? Why is it we want to sit and not praise the Lord and acknowledge who he is and what he has done? The reality is all the angels of heaven, all the elders of the church, all the prophets of old, all the saints of God are going to be in heaven singing out amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto God forever and ever. Amen. And I'm going to tell you there's going to be a shouting going on that you ain't experienced in church. I think the average Christian is going to be shocked when they get to heaven. I don't know about you. I'm trying to practice so I can get into it when I get up there. Amen. I'm bound to give thanks. I'm bound to give thanks. For his salvation. I'm bound to give thanks because of his sanctification. And then it says in our text verse, wherever I'm at here, uh, tells us that we ought to be bound. He said, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning Chosen you to salvation. So we're bound to be thankful for salvation. Through sanctification, we're bound to be thankful for sanctification. And then he said, of the, of the spirit and belief of the truth. That's the congregation. We are drawn together believing the truth that has been delivered to us. Notice in Colossians chapter 2, 
You can turn to uh, left a little bit there in Colossians chapter 2. This belief in truth unites us. In Colossians 2, 7, says, Rooted and built it up in him, established in faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We're bound to give thanks because of the fact he unites us together. Uh, you know, years ago, they came out with this idea that you didn't need to be in church anymore. This idea that you don't, you don't need to be a part of organized religion. And as a result of it, multitudes of people stopped going to church. And the amazing thing is, if you track their lives, they haven't grown spiritually. They haven't been rooted and grounded and built up in him. They've kind of floundered in their Christian life, and they're completely away from God altogether. And so uh, we need to be thankful for the congregation. I thank God for the church. I'll tell you, my wife and I went out and started a church in 1984. And I think one of the hardest things that we had to overcome was loneliness. And it was because of the fact we came out of Bible college, college of about 600 students, <coughs> came out of a church that was running about 4,000 people. And we were involved in ministries and doing all these things with all these believers. And we would get together uh, after church and we would get pizza. We'd pitch in our money and we'd get enough for our pizza. We'd sing songs. Somebody would bring a guitar. Somebody could play piano. We'd be at their house and we'd just be playing Christian music and singing and just rejoicing and celebrating our life in Christ. And all of a sudden we graduated and we're out starting a church and there's nobody that's saved. We're knocking on doors for hours. My wife and I went soul winning five, six hours every day. Every day, knocking on doors. And not one person has talked to us. I'm talking about weeks on end, sharing our faith with people and being cussed out and being rejected at the door. And I tell you, you get that enough, it gets discouraging after a while. And so when we started winning some people to Christ, and the church started forming, and the believers started gathering together, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. This preacher was thankful. I remember our first church service, we had 35 people present. I did so great preaching that the next Sunday we had zero, <laughs> except for my wife. She was there. I thought about bringing our dog to church so I could have another person I could add on. Amen. They say, well, man, we had a 100% increase, brought my dog, amen. And uh, listen, we had that church service. We ran it just like we run a church service now. I'd get up and I'd say, folks, I'm sure I'm glad you're here this morning. I was sitting in an auditorium that seated 250 people, and it's my wife and I. I'm standing up in the front. I said, folks, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> they told us in Bible college, when you start a church, from the first day, run it like it's a church running a thousand. So that's what I did. I just did what I was told. I didn't want to get the merits, amen. So I just I'd stand up and say, folks, I'm so glad you're here today. God's going to meet with us in a great way. I just believe with all my heart that God has something special for us. And I'd say, let's open our hymnals, and we'd start singing. We would sing several congregational songs, and then I'd take an offering. I'd walk down the aisle. I hated my wife. She didn't put anything in there. I knew next week I needed to preach on tithing, amen. <laughs> she didn't put anything in there. And I'll, uh, I'd take up an offering, and I'd come back, and I'd say, well, we're glad 
My wife's here. She's going to sing a special number for us. She'd get up, and I'd sit down, and she'd start singing. And she'd sing a special number to me. And I'd sit there. I'd be blessed. I'd be shouting, amen, amen. That's good, good. That's ministering to my heart. And then I'd get up and preach. And I'd get up and preach. And I'd get up and preach. And I'd, at the end of the preaching message, I'd give an invitation. We'd sing just as I am without one plea. And I'd stand up there and I'd say, surely there's somebody that needs to come forward. Somebody needs to get right with God. And I'm as serious as a heart attack. That's how we started out at ministry. And I'm going to tell you one thing. We ministered many a day without a living soul in that church. But we got up and we sang praises to our God. We were bound to give thanks to God because of the unspeakable gift he has given to us, his salvation and his sanctification. And I'm going to tell you, I don't take the church for granted because God brings us together. We're a part of the body of Christ and it is God Almighty who unites us together. I think sometimes we forget how precious the church is. Well, Colossians chapter 4 in verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. Says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. We're bound to give thanks because we have one who reigns over us. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, He's still the Lord of Lords. He is still the one who reigns over us. And so we're bound to give thanks for the congregation because it is Christ who is the head of the congregation. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the one that builds the church. He's the one that died for the church. And so he is the one who reigns over us. So we're bound to give thanks for the congregation. You ought to thank God for your church. I'm telling you that. When somebody's here and they say something, you ought to be glad your church is your church. You ought to say Amen. I mean, it will be a hearty amen from everybody in the, in the building. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. I know what it is, is not to, not to have a church congregation. And I'm thankful. I've always been thankful for any opportunity God gives me to preach the word of God. So he unites us and he reigns over us. I see that he hears us. And this is a verse we looked at this morning. But in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Why? Because he hears us. He's listening to us. We can cast all our care on him because he cares for us. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I appreciate my mother and father and how they loved their, their children, how they did everything to help our children and guide and direct us in the best that they can. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. There has never been anybody who's cared for me like the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm bound to give thanks. I'm bound to give thanks. He unites us. He reigns over us. He hears us. And then he wills us. In other words, he has a will for us. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oftentimes I've had people say, well, I want to really know what the will of God is. Well, here it is. Everything, in everything, you're bound to give thanks. In the good times, you're bound to give thanks. In the bad times, you're bound to give thanks. And we're to be thankful unto the Lord continually. 
because of the fact that his grace is what sets us free and gives us eternal salvation. So he says, I'm bound to give thanks because of the salvation of God. I'm bound to give thanks because of the sanctification of God. And I'm bound to give thanks because of the congregation of God. This Thanksgiving, let's remind ourselves what we're bound to give thanks for. There's a multitude of things that you can give thanks to in, in regards to the blessings of God and the move of God in your heart. But I guarantee you one thing, there's nothing that gets higher on the list than God's salvation. And I have to say the one that follows right out behind that one is the sanctification of God. And I can't, I can't get away from the sanctification of God without acknowledging the congregation of God. Because we're all in the body of Christ and we're all one in the Lord. We are bound to give thanks. Let's bow our heads. My Father, I come to you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, for this message you laid on my heart. That you would help me never get over um, um, the necessity, really, the necessity that's in my heart and in my mind. I need to say thank you, Lord. I'm bound to give thanks. What a great God to save my wretched soul. What a great God to draw me out of this world unto yourself. And what a great God to give me such precious people to enjoy worship and service of the living God of heaven. We're bound to give thanks, Lord. Uh, we refresh our minds, we refresh our hearts in the spirit of gratitude towards the living God. I pray if there's someone here not saved, Holy Spirit of God, touch them, draw them to yourself. Do what man cannot do and save their soul. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's